Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today, we got a Q&A. A lot of good questions today. Yes, we've been getting a ton of, uh, I, I got a request for the requesters. Uh, you guys are the requesters because you guys request questions. Um, send us some mindset ones. I was thinking about this the other day. It would be cool if we, since we do two Q&As a week, if we, uh, if we could start doing some that were like strictly, even if it's strictly training, strictly nutrition, strictly mindset, but like mainly I was thinking like body composition focus, yeah. right? Training, nutrition, cardio, supplements, and then like life, personal development, entrepreneurship, mindset, motivation. Um, people love the uh, uh, Motivation Monday stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, like productivity and... Yeah, but... It, Motivation Monday, I feel like I had like, you can only do so many topics, you know, so it's nice when you get questions because then it's the topic in a specific context. So if you guys have questions, please leave us questions for mindset focused Q&As. Probably post on Instagram too, but I think we'll be able to gather some and then, you know, next time we record a full week of Q&As, we can hopefully kind of separate them into two different categories. Yeah. Um, cause I always love talking about that shit, but uh man we we officially told blakely about disneyland yeah on sunday it was like that you're gonna do it the day before we were but then shannon was like well i'm gonna keep her out of school all week just to avoid her getting sick because preschool it's very common to get colds when you go to yeah. preschool and uh she's asking why she's not going to school cause she likes going to school because it's a glorified daycare let's be yeah, honest yeah. you know and uh she had to try on some of the outfits that she got her and everything um, and thankfully we got it. We haven't used a stroller in forever. So we got a stroller cause she's going to need it when you're pushing around, you know, yeah. and, uh, she, she's too big for it. So thank <laughs> God we tried to set, instead of the day before, but, uh, we like s set up these like arrows leading to her room and I took her upstairs and then she was like, all right, I'm ready. And she had like, uh, my grandma gifted us this like mini mouse suitcase for uh -huh. a kid. So we already had it, but it's perfect for Disneyland. Right. Yeah. So she had like that set up and Literally. then like a shirt and like this book where she can get all the princesses autographs and everything's all there. Oh right? yeah. And so I lead her in there. She's all excited because we told her, I was like, do you want to, you want to get one gift for your birthday today? And of course she said yes. So she came in, I think she was expecting to open something. So she came in and she was like looking around, there's like balloons and stuff. And she's like, I love it. <laughs> We're like, do you know what it is? And she's like, no. <laughs> and so Chan's like, well, who's all over everything? She's like, Minnie Mouse. Where does Minnie Mouse live? I don't know. We're like, okay. Um... <laughs> Why do you think the Game suitcase? Plan. <laughs> why do you think the suitcase there? And she goes, "Oh, is the present in there?" And oh. we're like, "Well, no." And then I'm like, "Hey, what's what's going to be five? Yeah, okay. it's gonna be five next week. What's on that piece of paper?" And then Shannon printed out like the castle, the Disneyland castle, and then put numbers like circles with numbers on the front side. And we could it's like basically eight days until we leave, so she can check off the days each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's on that piece of paper? Numbers. What's behind the numbers? Because the castle was behind the numbers. And she flips the paper over. It's blank. <laughs> And we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so then we were just like, we're going to Disneyland for your birthday. And she was like, oh, who wants to play picky-uppy with the balloons? And starts <laughs> grabbing the balloons. And me and Shane look at each other like, are you fucking kidding me? We've been planning this for like almost a year. So ungodly expensive to like, you know, save it for this thing. Then we expense it. We're all excited. Yeah. And she's just like, oh. And we're like, what the fuck? But then like. We kind of kept asking her, like, you know, you're going to see so-so. And we started, like, I don't think she comprehended it. You totally. Know? But, like, within an hour, we were eating dinner, and she just wouldn't stop. And then, like, the next morning, 
she woke up and was talking to herself about Disneyland yeah. in a room. And we could see it on the monitor. And then she came out of her room. Can I watch YouTube videos of Disneyland? And we're like, yeah. So we're just like a tour. So she's just been going nonstop. Totally. So thankfully, we're like, okay, she's excited. Did you ever go to Disneyland? Yeah, I was in fourth grade, I think. So Holy I was like shit. eight years old. Yeah. But my brother was in sixth grade. Yeah. So we just hung out in California Adventures because he didn't want to go to Disneyland at that age. He just wanted to ride the rides. Uh, and so I just wanted to do whatever my older brother did. Yeah. So we really just stayed in California Adventures the whole time. And I think I was seven or eight because I think you're eight usually in fourth grade. And I was always a year younger. So I think I was seven. Um, and it was cool. I mean, I just don't remember a ton because, I mean, I remember. You the, remember what grade you were in. Yeah, I remember the ride. Like, I remember going on Splash Mountain. I remember the roller coasters. But we didn't do, like. There was no like Disney character I was excited for. Damn. And back then they didn't have the Star Wars thing. They didn't yeah. have the Pirates of the Caribbean thing. Like all the stuff that is like I kind of want to see now. Yeah. I'm like that shit looks crazy. Yeah. Um, they didn't have back then. Yeah. You know? Uh, so Blake is that age where she's so excited to see the princesses. You oh, know? Really? She like I came home yesterday uh, after work and she had she drew uh, Aurora a card. She's like, I'm going to give Aurora a card. And it's like she drew it in. It's like this is me and her. And it's like these little stick people. <laughs> so funny. But it it's a totally different thing for her, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, like it's like, it's not funny that my parents got divorced, but now that I look back at it, I'm like, Oh, that was like the last attempt because they got divorced <laughs> like two weeks later. It was like, we tried. <laughs> yeah. I must've been like, I get, I, do, I have no recollection of it, but I, I mean, I must've been like five or six maybe because I was at the age where I had that book. I think yeah. I still have that book. Yeah. Um, and my parents have all of our kids stuff. But, uh, Where you got all the princesses autographed? <laughs> fucking shut up. <laughs> all the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the princess. It's not a princess book. Yeah, my dad's like, you're not getting hers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I have Pluto, Goofy, everybody, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's crazy. It is. It's going to be. It's a hell of an adventure finding all the characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, we had to, like, look up. Like, I guess we didn't have iPhone. Now you could probably be like, where's Goofy at this time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Literally, but because I I did it last night. She was like, "Is uh, Maribel from Encanto?" I don't know if you've seen that movie. Um, probably not. No. Um, I know what it is. Though. Yeah, and so she was like, "Is she gonna be there?" Because that's a relatively new one. Yeah. So I like looked it up, and it was literally like on this date at this time at this park. Like, yeah, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you can literally just time what character you want to see, and yep. I mean, there's probably some that are just fucking waltzing around the whole time. Totally, but it's actually crazy because they're doing this thing that week. Um. So usually there's, there's certain times where they close the park down and leave it open for adults. And it's like late at night and Whoa. you can like, there's like a small section. You can walk around, have some drink stuff. Our neighbors did it. Cause they were like, Sweet. yeah, we're, they went to Disneyland and then like a couple months later, they're like, yeah, we're going back. And we're like, damn, you're taking them again. They're like, no, we're just going. <laughs> I'm like, Man, you're like 40. What yeah. are you doing? And they were like, oh, it's like this adult thing. They close it at night and it's like wine taste and shit. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so the week we're there just happens to be, they're doing it all day in California adventures, like all week. So, like, basically, you can walk around and drink and, like, taste wine and shit, like, while your kid's doing their thing. Mm. Which I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea, yeah. but uh, we'll be in California Adventures the first day because it's, like, a half day there. So Sweet. Yeah, yeah. definitely go by themselves yearly, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, especially now, there's, like, uh, uh, I think especially once they took over Star Wars. Yeah. Because there's so many Star Wars fans. And I think, or maybe Harry Potter's at Disney World, Universal Studios cool. and stuff like that. We just went to L.A. last year. Yeah. And, um went to university or universal studios and Harry Potter world's there. Oh, that's not in Florida. 
Both. Oh, shit. There's okay. two of them. Yeah, because yeah. Disney World is Florida. Disneyland is Cali. But Universal Studios is both. Correct. Oh, that's sick. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Harry Potter at all. But yeah, I hated it. But that shit is Oh, I should. Cool. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I won't say I hated it. I, I loved it because Josephine loved it. Yeah. And I got to drink fucking butter beer. Whoa. That's what it's called. Probably good. Yeah. A little rum in there, but it's yeah. it's very potent. It's strong. Yeah. It's like thick. Yeah. It's buttered I mean, beer. The, the attraction would be cool. Exactly. Yeah. So like, and this is where, um, I've never read the books yeah. and I told Shannon I would watch the movies cause she loves it and she was pregnant and fell asleep in the first movie. And so I was like, yeah, we're not continuing this series. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I finished the whole movie, the first one, uh, cause it was the deal. She had to watch Lord of the Rings if, if I watched that. But, um, the, uh, the story I like, I respect the author so much. And I think that's where like people ask me about content. Uh, from a written perspective, how do you get good at writing blogs and emails and captions and all these kind of things? And I always say, read fiction books. I mean, like if, if you can try to, if you can read a fiction book and you get sucked into it, that's an author you want to study. Because like, if you think about how somebody's brain can create Harry Potter and Hogwarts and all the different spells and the different characters and friends and creatures and wild. It's insane. You almost got to be like, like until you become really, really rich and famous from making those books, you, you people probably look at you like you're a lunatic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why do you keep talking about this Harry Potter character? Like, you're so weird. Yeah. And then they become fucking massive. And yeah. They're like, yeah. It, like you said, how do they keep up? How do they come up? Continue to come up with things yeah. like imagine or yeah. Uh, yeah, it's imagination. I mean, imagination. There you go. But like to not let that dull away as you're getting older yeah you know that's there like nine of them i have no idea but uh i don't know seven books yeah no. but even harry potter's or i mean uh, lord of the rings there's only three i mean there's the hobbit and then there's three lord of the rings but even that man they they speak in different languages like how'd you come up with that language that's wild <laughs> that's crazy but like the description the descriptive nature of how they tell the story and how the people are interacting and they're feeling like i don't know if you read a good copywriter inside of even fitness the way they describe the pain point somebody's going through when they're not losing weight in the feeling you have when you walk into a room and you feel like everybody's staring at you and then you can kind of feel the sweat in the back of your neck start to dribble dribble and you realize that you can smell yourself because your, your armpits are sweating mm. like and they go into it and you're reading this copywriting about somebody just talking about this person's overweight walking into a room and they're very insecure that's all it is yeah but the way they articulate it makes people go fuck i know that feeling it's crazy. Totally. And obviously Relatable. It, yeah. And it obviously it helps if you've been there. Like I, I have to think about situations that I felt when I was overweight in order to really be able to write well about it because I've been there. Yeah. But if somebody was like, oh, write, write about um, somebody having like, uh, like a baseball player having shoulder issues and because and, the shoulder is the most important joint for a baseball player. That's what you're throwing, you know, and it's the most common injury is going to be shoulder and then Tommy John on the elbow, right? But I'd be like, I mean, I could try because I know copywriting but fuck, i never had a shoulder or an elbow injury like yeah. that i never played baseball to so to reference to yeah, yeah. so it's it, experience helps but yeah random copywriting tip and read fiction books they will they will help a ton totally my favorite one i read is uh wayward pines which they ended up making a tv show about it's, it's all right it's not as good but yeah that book series is fucking trippy found nope. myself sweating on the couch reading it whoa that's when you know it's like a good book yeah but all right we got questions. All right. Let's do it. 
Let's get into the first one. It says, I calculated my deficit to be 1750 calories using the TCM online calculator and am using one of your five-day training programs while also doing two days of list cardio at one hour each. I, I'm even weighing everything perfectly, yet I'm go, I am gaining weight and staying the same week to week. What could cause this to happen? Inflammation from higher training volume or am I just not in a big enough deficit? Yeah, so this is this is a it's a multifaceted question to answer. So first and foremost, she's talking about the macro calculator that we have on our website. So if you haven't seen that or if you want to check it out, um, it's taylorcoachingmethod.com slash is it TDEE calculator? Yeah, T- just TDEE dash calculator. But um, you can just go to the website and hit the menu. There's actually like a, a tool section where you can get that. You can get the 1RM calculator. And I'm like this close to being done with the supplement index, which is going to be really dope. And then we're going to add more to uh, another database, basically. Or actually, I think that's what I called it, the supplement database. I don't know. Anyway, we're putting more and more tools on the website, which is really cool. So go there, check that out. Um, number one, the TDE calculator that you did is there's there's two aspects of it. So if you put in your your info and you get your your TDEE, which your total daily energy expenditure, that's really like your maintenance caloric intake. So if you're going off that, make sure you actually create a deficit by either A, deciding how big of a deficit you want to create or B, just scrolling down because if you go to the calculator, it actually will break down. Do you want to gain weight? Like, do you want to lean gain? Do you want to like just, uh, what is it? It's like lean gain recomp or like, or a recomp lean gain and then like bulk or something like that. Mm. But basically you can choose how fast do you want to gain? How fast do you want to uh, lose fat? And it'll show you. She said 15% calorie deficit, I believe. So she's in a deficit and she's, she's curious as to why she's not losing weight. Um, the question about training. So number one, she created a deficit. The hard part there too, is that if you were already in a deficit, cause I see this too, where people are like, they're, uh, they're, following a diet, let's say she's following paleo or she's following a meal plan and she doesn't realize what her calories are. She's not tracking her macros, but she is in a deficit. And then she goes to the calculator and she figures out what her calories and macros need to be. Now she increases her calories to try to lose weight. Well, you added more food. You're not going to lose weight, right? Because you were already in a deficit, which means that you have to start with where you were at, track where you were at. So you can see the exact calories and macros you're hitting on a regular basis. And then from there actually subtract calories to put yourself in deficit. But let's say that's not what happened. Let's say she was tracking calories and she was at maintenance and she decided to use our calculator to put herself in a deficit. Great. Now she goes into a training program that is five days a week. Is the inflammation from training the reason she's not losing weight? This can happen. And the reason this would happen is because if you are training very hard, I, I don't I don't want to say that as if like you're training too hard. If you're training hard enough, like as hard as you should be to, to really see progress in the gym, you are going to have a level of inflammation on the muscle tissue. It's just part of it, right? You, you stress the system and that creates micro tears in the muscle tissue and the fibers. And that causes a little bit of inflammation. There's an inflammatory process happening at the tissue level. That inflammation pulls water, pulls blood, like so on and so forth. That will cause, um, inflammation that will cause the scale to go up, quote unquote, However, it's a very small amount and it's a temporary period of time. Usually this happens when somebody goes from your training three days a week following like a full body circuit training and then you go into a five day a week program like she's talking about. Yeah. So, um, and we'll, we'll link those in the show notes as well. She's talking about one of the five day programs that's uh, the train heroic programs that are in there. Um, so it's a lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. That's a lot of training volume 
right, to go to. If you do that much training, well, yeah, you're going to see that inflammation happen. Now, if you went from a six-day training program to that, you're probably not going to see that same inflammatory response unless it's a completely different style of training. Maybe you were training six days a week, but you were doing like CrossFit style or circuit training in a class or soul cycle or anything that's not really causing the stress in the muscle like you should. So you're still seeing this big swing. The point is you have to have like a big difference in your training to cause that. And I still see it with clients who don't change up their training, but we start a new block. So maybe they're training, training, training. We start a new training block and there's new exercises and that novelty causes that. But a week later, it's gone. You know, it's not something that just lingers on. It's usually that novelty effect. Like you're super sore for the first week, maybe two. When that soreness goes away, that inflammatory response should go away as well. Um, and probably even sooner. You can be sore without having that. So it, it's very rare. And even when that happens, you don't want to adjust your calories further if that is actually what's happening. Because number one, it's temporary, so it'll go away. And number two, it's not stopping fat loss from happening. You know, despite the scale not going down, you might be losing fat. It's just, it's, uh, it's masking that. So even if somebody is having digestive issues, well, having poor digestion or gut issues doesn't stop you from losing fat. But if you're having digestive issues and you have more food volume in your gut because it's not passing through, not only do you have more food volume in your gut, which is going to obviously weigh the scale down a little bit, but your gut's going to pull water into the gut to help it go through the digestive process. And now you have water retention in the gut which masks what the scale is showing. Yep. So maybe you're not losing weight, but it doesn't mean you're not losing fat. So you just got to fix the digestive issue so you can see where you're actually at. Same thing with a period. Somebody it goes through their menstrual cycle and all of a sudden they plateau on the scale. Well, maybe you're still losing weight. You're just retaining water and fluid and inflammation because you're on your period, which is very common. Then your period passes and boom, you drop two pounds. It's not because you dropped two pounds overnight. It's because they, the, the water retention from being on your period was masking the weight loss you were achieving. So um, you got to... Try to be able to separate what that actually is, essentially, is what I'm getting at. Um, but again, it's a very temporary thing. Now, the other question is, do I need to create a bigger deficit? Um, and this is all assuming that you are accurate. She, you know, the, the question was longer. We kind of like summarized it and, and she made it very clear that she is v being very precise with her weighing and all that. So I'm going to go on a limb and say, like, I trust you there. You're not like, it's not that you don't know how to track properly, but um, do you need to create a bigger deficit? Well, Maybe, but you would have a very adaptive response. Um, so if you created a big enough deficit, which I th I thought she said 15 or am I tripping? That's a different question. Probably a different question. Somebody else said it then. Yeah, I don't see any of that. Okay. So uh, if you use the calculator, going back to the first thing I said, if you use the calculator, make sure you actually put yourself in a deficit. You're not just eating the total daily energy expenditure because that's just your maintenance. You got to scroll down and see what the deficits are. So maybe you didn't put yourself in a big enough deficit. I can tell you this. If you go from maintenance to try, trying to dive into a cut, you should definitely not just drop 5% calories. You should be pushing for at least 10, if not 15 to 25% calories so you can actually get out of your maintenance zone and, and really get into that like fat loss range for your calories, which would be a real deficit. Um, so assuming you're truly in a deficit, do you just need to continue dropping? The only reason you would need to continue dropping is if your body adapted to the deficit that quickly, which does happen. But it usually only happens if, A, you adjusted too little. So maybe you start a diet, you're like, I'm going to get after it, and you only drop, drop your calories 5%. Well, it's probably not going to be enough to really see meaningful progress on the scale. So yeah, if you don't lose weight after the first week or two, it's probably because you just barely dropped your calories and your body adjusted quickly because you're in this maintenance range. And it's very easy for your body to lower its subconscious level of NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is going to be fidgeting, talking, blinking, standing. The only part of it that you can even really account for and track is your step count. But if you're intentionally increasing your steps, it's not really neat anymore. It's just 
a, a easier to adhere to form of cardio. So if your body subconsciously uh, decreases its need by lowering its activity and its, its energy expenditure through these subconscious matters, um, it's probably because you didn't adjust enough. Because if you would adjust 15% and maybe your body did adjust that 5% right away, you still got a 10% deficit you're in. So it's important to do that big enough drop. So do you need to adjust again? Maybe. And I would say only yes, if you didn't adjust enough into the deficit in the, fr the first place and your body adapted too quickly. Otherwise, uh, it, it's, uh, it could be the inflammation. Like you said, if you, if you're in week one of your diet and you're already asking us this question, then yeah, it could be that. But, um, assuming you've been at it for a few weeks, it's probably not that, yeah. you know, and usually you're not worried about a plateau that you're in unless it's been a few weeks. So totally. and a good example, of this is me. Like I, this week marks week one of my actual deficit. Cause I was in the primer phase for the first two weeks and I didn't drop any weight. I feel better. I feel like I'm looking a little tighter. Cause that's just, you know, cleaner foods, tr training is solid again. Everything's dialed in. Um, but I went immediately into a 15% calorie deficit. Uh, I thought about going more, but what I did instead is I did a 15% calorie deficit and I added 20 minutes of cardio post-workout five days a week, which is a good amount of cardio, but I can easily jump on the bike for 20 minutes and, and pedal right after my training session before I leave for the day. Um, and I'd rather do that in combination with a 15% calorie deficit instead of dropping my calories 20, 25% because I like food. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Plain and simple. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you just got to figure out how that calculates with your, basically with your lifestyle and your adherence. Totally. So that's good. All right, we will move on to the next one. Let's go. It says, how would somebody go about transitioning from a five-day strength program, performance bodybuilding, to a four-day split? Would you make your workouts longer, more intense, prioritize hypertrophy over strength, or basically how do I decrease the volume intensity without going backwards? So the next part of this is key for context too, and I left it in there. Um, something about a marathon. Oh, yep. I have always been a hybrid athlete doing cardio multiple times a week on the top, on top of that. I am now training for a marathon and need to add in more runs into my weekly routine. I want to prioritize keeping as much muscle as possible as well as possibly getting some stronger. So here's where this, this question's answer differs completely. It's a night and day difference depending on who's asking it. So if we would have stopped before mentioning that they're training for a marathon. Like I did. Like you did at first. Yeah. <laughs> Thought it was a new question. I would have answered it completely differently. And I would say that, yeah, that's exactly what you do. If I can't go to the gym physically. So let's say I'm training for an hour, five days a week. And in that hour, five days a week, I accomplish just for easy math, 10 sets per muscle group per week. Well, now I'm going to have to go four days a week and I'm going to have to still accomplish 10 sets per muscle per week while trying to progress my strength right? Because that's the only way to increase total volume without increasing total sets. And the reason I wouldn't necessarily want to increase total sets in that case is because it's going to take more time. And even this is going to take more time. So if I go from five days a week at an hour each session, and I, then I go to four trying to keep my same volume while progressing load, therefore progressing volume uh, from just how much I'm lifting by the end of the week and by the end of the month, I'm going to have to lift for an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes now instead of an hour, right? You will just have to make your workouts a little bit longer. And if you just add a little bit, because again, if I'm working out for an hour, take that, you know, was that 15, four days, uh, four times 15 is 60 minutes. So you can take 15 minutes of, of that hour and put it on each one of those sessions. Essentially, if we're going to get literal, it never works out perfectly like that because shit just takes different time. It depends on the gym, the way your exercise sequencing is. But if we're just being literal, yeah, that's exactly what you would do. Um, 
And then eventually you would probably have to add a little bit more time because maybe you have to go from three sets of certain exercises to four. So you can go from 10 sets per week to 12, you know? Um, but knowing that you're a marathon runner, I would say, no, you don't want to do that. You want to actually reduce your total volume in the gym because you need at most 50% of the amount of volume you do to grow as you do to maintain. So research actually showed people needed one eighth, a fucking eighth of the amount of volume they need to grow in order to maintain. Now, I don't trust that study. It was a good study. It was a good study design. Um, so nothing against researchers, but they, they took people who were untrained and to control the variables, they trained them so that everybody was on an equal playing field. Because if we just took a bunch of lifters, some of which have been lifting for five years, some three, everybody's a different playing field, yeah. you know? So they take people who don't train and they trained them for 16 weeks and then they put them through the study. Training them for 16 weeks made them believe that this, or I, I'm sure if you talk to the researchers, they would be like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the best we could do. And I understand that. But I still don't think just because you train 16 weeks, you're a trained individual. I understand from a science perspective, we could take you through 16 weeks and you accumulate enough volume to say like, yeah, you're trained enough for the study. But most people interpreted that study as for trained individuals, you need one eighth of your volume in order to maintain, you know, your, your muscle and your strength. But anybody who's been lifting for longer, we just have to assume that it's probably going to be a bit more than an eighth, yeah. but an eighth is so small. So like, let's say half, but even half, that's really easy to do. So if you train with half the volume you did to grow or get stronger and you just made sure that you weren't regressing, so you were still just pushing the same loads, which you would be able to do because you're doing half as much, because if you try to do just as much, you would like, there's a balance here. So if I do just as much volume while also training for a marathon, I'm probably not going to be able to lift as heavy because I'm, my recovery debt is going to grow and I'm not going to be able to recover from it all. But if I do less volume, I'll be able to keep the loads heavier. So my intensity would be up and I would still be able to lift this as much, right? So Example, I have to run X amount to do this marathon training. Then I am going to focus on maintaining my three rep squat max of 300 pounds or something like that. If I squat with just as much volume as I was before I was training for that marathon, there's no way in hell I would maintain that squat PR because I would get weaker since I'm doing too much volume between running and lifting. But if I wanted to keep that 300 pound squat PR and I reduced my volume by half, I probably would be able to because I'd be able to recover well enough from the marathon training to still be able to squat heavy, right? And so there's this like kind of uh, push and pull or this like uh, this, this yin and yang, this balance that we have to find. Now, saying you want to maintain muscle, great. Saying you want to get stronger while doing this, can you do it? I'm not going to say no because there's a lot of hybrid athletes that do it, you know, um, Cody Smith, my good friend, he's really into hybrid training. Most of his clients are. He's a, I would consider a hybrid athlete. For sure. He gets stronger and he runs. Like, you can do it, for sure. Um, I would just say this. Like, if, if you just need to maintain your ability for running a marathon, you can get stronger. If you just need to maintain your strength, you can run a better marathon. I don't think you can truly get better at both in a significant amount of time in order to compete. So... It's just like, even with concurrent training in general, it's just a very slow process. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to run a marathon in two years. Oh yeah, cool. Perfect. You can get stronger and run a faster marathon because you have two years to do it. If you're running a marathon this year, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like I just, it's very rare unless you're brand new to lifting. Then of course it's easy because every time you go to the gym, you're going to get a little bit better, yeah. you know? So, um, I would, I would stop focusing on getting stronger. Um, I actually don't think like, 
and again, I'm not a hybrid athlete. So, I mean, I would, this would be a, a separate debate for somebody who is, um, a competitive, competitive dog walker. There you go. <laughs> um, it's not that hard with Bubba. Fuck, I gotta drag him, but, um, maybe, uh, maybe I bring Cody on and debate him on. That'd be sick. That would be sick. Yeah. That, honestly, that would be a really good conversation of us trying to like debunk or yeah. like him trying to defend himself and me trying to poke holes in it. But, um, and I, and I think hybrid athletes are sick. Like, I mean, they're savages. To be able to run a marathon and then squat a shit ton of weight and look jack like that's awesome. Most of the very successful hybrid athletes, though, they separate their training. So, like, Nick Bear is a good example, BPN. He is training for a bodybuilding competition right now. I guarantee if we looked at his running logs, he's not getting faster or running more and more and more. He's just maintaining his running. And right now, he's focused on cutting. And when he was bulking, he was focusing on bulking. And he probably wasn't improving his running. When he was focusing on improving his running, he wasn't bulking or getting like shredded. He might've gotten leaner cause he lost weight while in the pursuit of running, but he's not like you losing weight is a little bit easier cause you're burning a lot of calories, you know, but like maintaining muscle will become harder if you're trying to run more and more and more to become a marathon runner. So it's very hard, but I think that it, most of them, like they were powerlifters or bodybuilders before they started running. And so when they run and they get lean, they just look like they're a hybrid athlete. So, um, I would, I would prioritize maintaining, uh, and, and focusing on your one most important goal. So if that's the marathon, focus on that and just focus on maintaining, drop your volume in half and you'll be totally fine. Totally. So if you're training five days a week, yeah, you can easily do that in four days a week, but you don't need to keep up with the amount of volume you were doing prior. You should be really focusing on, like I just said, improving your one thing. And then your training should more so reflect like what is going to maintain your strength and muscle, but also what's going to help your tendons and ligaments not get fucked up from running a marathon. Because let's be honest, that's brutal. Just like any sport it's wear and tear on your body. So if you're wear and tearing your body from bodybuilding and powerlifting and running, it's not going to last long, but you can design your resistance training to strengthen and create resilience in your tendons and ligaments so that you don't tear your Achilles in a marathon, which I've had a client do and then came to me after they did it. And I helped them start running again because we did strength training specifically to improve their tendon and ligament strength. Ouch. You know, that's, but that's strength training specifically <clears throat> for a marathon runner. Yeah. So, yeah. boom. Cool. All right. We will go to the last question here. It says with Lent coming up, that means no meat on Fridays and day and days of fasting in those situations. What is the impact of one day a week, not hitting our protein needs for the day and being in a significant deficit? Will one day uh, significantly hinder any progress or get, or just get right back on it the next day and not worry about it? Just get right back on it and don't worry about it. It's just it's just not enough. Um, really, really easy one to answer, to be honest with you, because the way muscle protein synthesis works is, you know, when you eat protein, you're going to have a large bolus of protein. The amino acids are going to go into your bloodstream, and they're going to be circulating for a certain amount of time where your body kind of pulls from it. So um, one day of fasting isn't going to deplete you of complete muscle protein um, and, and not even glycogen or anything, really. Um, so number one, if you're, if you're chasing fat loss, this is only going to help you because it's going to be 10 times easier to create a weekly deficit if you have to fast most of the day and you can't eat as much. So use that as a, a extra day to more easily accomplish your, your weekly calorie deficit without having to go so low calories on the other days. And then if your goal is muscle growth, just don't train on that day. Like make sure you train the day before, uh, in a, in a time at a time where you can have a good solid protein feeding after that training session and don't train the day of Lent. And when you train the day after Lent, make sure you have a good protein feeding before you train. Like if you do that, you're totally fine. You're not going to waste away muscle. It's not going to set you back. You have enough protein in your bloodstream to be circulating and, and continue that muscle protein synthesis response and prevent muscle protein breakdown. 
um, which is what people worry about when they fast or, or they're in a deficit is the breakdown of muscle tissue. Um, so you'll be, you'll be absolutely fine. As long as you're not training super hard during that fasting period, it's not anything to worry about. It's just one day. Um, and if you really want to be cautious, let's say you're a bodybuilder, or let's say you're super lean and you, you really don't want to sacrifice any muscle at all. And you're trying to gain, um, increase your protein intake the day before, especially in the, the feeding that you have before you go to sleep. So if you increase your protein by 50, 60 grams on that final meal, that's way more protein than you need in a single day. But the way protein works when you overfeed it, it's going to sit in your gut until your body can utilize it all. So if you overconsume protein, um, you'll probably be a little bloated the next day for a little bit. But what's going to happen, it's going to, the protein's going to sit in your gut until your bloodstream starts to pull the amino acids and utilize them. And everything else will be pissed out as nitrogen if, if you can't pull the amino acids out quick enough or you do way too much protein, like three grams per pound or some shit, um, which is unnecessary. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, one day, one day of anything is not enough, you know? Are you like, I'm just pure curiosity. Are you like educated on land? Yeah. Like, uh, it's is, a, it, is it, it's one day? Um, I, I think it's 40 days of fasting. Well, he was saying on Fridays. Uh, so uh, you might be thinking of Ramadan. No, I'm thinking Lent. Okay, Ramadan is definitely, it's a full month. Um, I've, I've worked with people on Ramadan as well, and they fast all day until sun goes down. But they can't even have water, and that shit is very different. For 24 hours? Um, no, it's just anytime the sun's up. So oh, basically, gotcha. they, they, they fast all day when, once they wake up, and then they can't eat until the sun goes down gotcha. um, in the evening. And then even during the day, they can't have water or anything. Yeah, that's, that was, that's a very difficult, I've worked with people as a personal trainer and they would come to the gym after fasting all day. It's very difficult. Yeah. Um, but Lynn yeah. is 40 days of fasting. And I think he was saying that he has one day of no protein or a protein. Well, even one if it's day a week, not hitting our protein needs. Oh yeah. No. So I don't think well, I looked it up and Lent is 40 days of fasting. Yeah. But you, I mean, people would die. You can't not eat for 40 days. So it's got to be similar to Ramadan where you can't eat all day. And then once the sun, it's got to be something like that. Yeah. And then maybe just on Fridays, you can't eat meat or something. I don't know a lot about it. I know, yeah, it's, a me Catholic, either. I know it's a Catholic thing. Yep. That's um, why I was asking. I just didn't know. Yeah. Shannon grew up Catholic. So yep. I'm surprised so I don't know Joseph with you. But um, yeah. So in general, if it is just Friday, that answers the question. Totally. If it's every day, you, you would basically just be doing a like a warrior diet style fast. Yeah. So you fast all day and then you have a really big protein feeding at night and that's going to do the exact same thing. It's going to be a lot of protein in your gut, but it's going to slowly disperse in your bloodstream. You'll be fine the next day. Totally. So, and that's why people get away with intermittent fasting Yeah. and they're still jacked, you know, yeah. they eat a shit ton of protein. Night. It's very uncomfortable, but if you got to do it for a short period of time, to keep your gains, you got to do what you got to do. Let's get it. Anything for the gains. <laughs> what it is. Um, so. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, uh, make sure you drop us some questions. There is a Q&A link in the description. There's also a green button if you're on Spotify. Leave us some mindset ones if you want something for a Monday motivation style podcast because I always love ranting on some some mindset, some discipline, some motivation, entrepreneurship, um, anything like that. But no matter what, whatever question you have, leave us one in the question box. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. Um, thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate you and we will catch you next time.